0: You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources,
1: visit us online at northvalleychurch.org.
2: Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to get into your word and and worship. Lord, thank you that you rule the world with truth and grace. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey guys, my name is Ryan. I serve as the lead pastor here at the church. If you've got a Bible, you can open it up. We're in Luke chapter 1. This is a five-part teaching series uh, all about Jesus. Jesus is the reason for the season. Um, I can remember years ago, I dressed up as Santa Claus to try to um, excite my nephews and nieces, and I was up on a second story, and I told my brother down in El Paso, Texas, in the armpit of America, but that we were, we, I was going to surprise uh, uh, my, my nie- nephew and nieces as Santa Claus. And so I'm on the second story. And at a certain time, I was going to come down and surprise the kids with gifts on Christmas morning. My brother had a, a, a ranch down there in El Paso. So I, I'm thinking the kids are going to love it. I jumped down on the ground and I, I, I'm, there's a glass door in between us and um, the kids their eyes went wild, and then they screamed and ran and hid in the bedrooms. It was the opposite effect of what we were doing. Uh, I think God, in his humor, wanted that to happen, to highlight it's really all about Jesus. Um, yesterday, my kids, uh, we watched The Grinch. Uh, uh, the, what's the guy's name that, that's the comedian that is the actor? Jim Carrey. You know, very hilarious. Um, The reason for the season is all about Jesus. There's more books written about Jesus, more songs sung about him than any other person in the world. The reason for the season is not commercialism, it's Jesus. He is the reason for the season. This five-part series, I'm going to draw your attention to the authority of Scripture, the biblical, historical account, the narrative of Jesus. That's what I'm going to do over the next five weeks, starting tomorrow morning, Everybody pull out your phone, um, pull out your phone, and uh, on, if you don't have the UVersion Bible app, download it. We're going to have daily devotionals coming out. You can just Google under, or the, not Google, uh, go to the events area and just type in North Valley, and we have daily devotionals. If you can't find it there, it's on our website, and it'll be walking through uh, uh, the, the gospel of Luke over the next five messages. So it's going to be really important. Um, The reality is, is just the other day I was sitting in my office, and I love sitting in my office and hearing all the traffic. By the way, illumination lights, man, they're blocking this place up, are they not? Somebody asked me if that bothers us, and I said, no, it's, I mean, it's free exposure to the church. We actually opened our gates and let them circle around our parking lot. Uh, But that is, uh, I was sitting there in my office the other day, and there's 91,000 people that drive by our uh, church campus every single day. And this reality struck me is that people are searching for a Savior. Ten years ago, I was in Dallas, and uh, I uh, I got on the dart rail, and I was going downtown to Dallas Seminary. It was exam season for me. And I had come to faith in Jesus Christ, game changer. Then I got married, game changer. Then I had kids, game changer. And then I went to seminary to go for full-time ministry so I could prepare and be a semi-intelligent communicator when I'm preaching to you guys. Um, I'm going, I'm on the dart rail and I put in my earbuds and I'm listening to Joy to the World. That song is like one of my favorites. I would study and I was investigating, searching for, to have certainty in my faith. I I was a Christian who made an, uh, I was a non-believer lost who got saved out of emotional response because my life was a wreck. My life was a train wreck. All my relationships were a train wreck. All my, everything in my life was a train wreck. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, that's where I was at. I come to faith in Jesus Christ but then guess what? I didn't have the knowledge to back it up. So I go to seminary. I'm like, I'm going to learn. And I'm down there in seminary. I remember got on the dart rail, driving down, get in the train. And uh, as habit, I pull out my books, lay out my stuff. I'm listening to the latest, through the latest technology, iPods. They were cranking awesome 10 years ago. Lucky to have one, paid like $400. That was really stupid as a seminary student to pay that much. And I'm listening to Joy to the World. I leave my notes, um, get on a bus, leave my notes on the bus, Dallas, downtown Dallas. Get to the library, talk to my friends. Um, I'm, I'm pursuing a search for Jesus Christ, historical search of Jesus Christ. I was studying the life of Christ at the time. Lost all my exam notes, uh, prepar- preparatory exam notes. Get back on the train, go back home to downtown Garland. Tell my wife, she tells me to pray about it. And that's the typical Christian pastor's wife response, pray about it. So I pray about it and uh, I get back on the train, get back on the bus. And my bus driver says, were you looking for these? Downtown Dallas. Um, What I want to get to you is this, is that God is real. The person in the work of Jesus Christ is not mythical. It's not fairy tale. He's real. And he really responds to prayer. And you can really have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. As a Christian, my hope is over the next five parts of this message series, that your faith grows into more certainty and conviction and knowledge and understanding of who Jesus is. For those of you that are searching and you're not certain about Jesus Christ being the Savior, this is a great exploratory opportunity for you to dive into this book that we call the Bible. And look at Luke chapters 1 and 2 and see this historical account Reality is, is, everybody is searching for a Savior. Is that Savior Jesus Christ? I believe He is with all my heart. Here's what St. Augustine said that you have made for us yourself, meaning we're made for God. Oh Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in You. Anxiety grips every person, Christian, non Christian. There's a restlessness in all of us, but here's the reality. God is the creator. You are his creation. He is our father. We are his children. There's something uh, mystical and magical, if you will, when you come to a place of placing your faith in Jesus Christ, there's a rest in your heart. Some of you as Christians, there's some significant uncertainties about Jesus Christ. There's maybe uncertainties about Scripture. Um, some of you as, as maybe searching and really not crossed that finish line of faith and said, I really believe in Jesus Christ as my Savior. This is your chance. This is your chance to investigate more clearly the person and the work of Jesus Christ over the next five weeks. I want to encourage you, do daily devotionals, uh, read into those. It takes five, 10 minutes, and we'll just be walking through this. First thing that we're going to learn this morning is the author of the Gospel of Luke is Luke, and Luke is a doctor. Uh, here's what one uh, scholar said about Luke, the literary style of Luke and Acts. Luke, the, uh, Luke this doctor, this physician, he actually, first century uh, physician, wrote the Gospel of Luke, that's the good news about Jesus, and uh, the book of Acts, which is a historical account of the church. He says this scholar, Howard Marshall says this, the literary style of Luke and Acts demonstrates their author was a well-educated person with considerable gifts of expression. The traces of medical language and the interest in medical matters displayed in them are consistent with the authorship by the beloved physician. The apostle Paul refers to Luke as his beloved physician. Luke's gift as a historian have been recognized by many scholars who have viewed his work against its classical background and compared him favorably with the best of ancient historians. Luke is a doctor. Uh, Luke accompanied the apostle Paul. Um, Let me just give you some rationale as to why it might have been a good idea for Luke, the physician, to follow the apostle Paul. Listen to this. In 2 Corinthians 11.25, the Apostle Paul expresses uh, his lifestyle in ministry, that his faith is on the front lines. And here's what he says. He says, three three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at the sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst. I've gone without food. I've been cold, naked. Besides everything else, I face the daily pressure and the concern for all the churches. When the Apostle Paul refers to Luke... He calls him the beloved physician. This is medical missionary uh, works in its finest. Uh, Luke is a physician, then he falls in love with Jesus Christ, and he's going to give a historical account of all the things that Jesus has accomplished. That's what he's going to do. He's going to help people like me and you that really need to cross the finish line with a greater certainty and confidence and conviction about our faith and give a historical account account. Yet he's tender and he's tough. He's accomplished in his own right, in his education. He's uh, intelligent. Uh, He visited, I mean, and Luke is a historical person. If you were to travel to uh, Ephesus, which is modern-day Turkey, you would see that his body resides there. There's a tomb for Luke in Turkey today. Uh, we're not dealing with a myth or a fable. When I was in college, I went to the University of Arkansas, signed myself up as a fiery brand new Christian because I thought I'm going to take some Old Testament classes and some world religion. And the teacher starts talking about the Old Testament miracles and all these things that were happening. He says at the end of his lecture, he says, so the legend goes. And I was just like, everybody was like dazed, blinded, didn't hear that. I'm like, uh, that was important, what he just said. Uh, did you just say legend? Like, what do, you, what do you mean by that? He was like, it's mythical. The, the Bible has a spiritual meaning, but it's not historical. I was like, oh my goodness. And you have a PhD? I uh, found out he was a washed up, dried and depressed and discouraged Jew that had given up on the faith that Jesus was the Messiah didn't believe in the validity of Scripture. Liberal uh, religions uh, in in, uh, Christianity and in Judaism, they degrade the Bible, and they see it as myth. Perhaps one of the greatest struggles and the greatest questions you're going to face in your generation is the authority of Scripture. Phoenix is ranked as one of the least biblically literate uh, cities in the country what's under attack is the validity of the historical accuracy of our faith. My encouragement to you as we get into this, I'm trying to set a lengthy introduction to propose to you that our Christianity is rooted in historical facts, that you can compare Jesus to Buddha, to Gandhi, to Mohammed, to anybody, and you will find a more an intelligent pathway to truth than you will with any of the rest of the world religious leaders. Luke is a doctor. Uh, Luke is uh, responsible for writing one fourth of the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke, uh, the uh, Book of Acts, and he is very accomplished in his own right. He is an educated man. He is a, uh, I would call, say, like the Dr. Jones of, of, of the New Testament, Indiana Jones. Last night, my kids stayed up unfortunately till eleven o'clock, and we've been unfolding the Indiana Jones series at my household, and uh, they love it. They don't, like you say the like, hey, have you ever seen Goonies? Of course, they haven't seen Goonies. They're like, you know, but there's so many classics. So we watch that. Um, stayed up late. So if I do bad on preaching today, it's because of Indiana Jones and my family. Um, but the connection is this: is Luke is the Indiana Jones of the New Testament. He's Dr. Luke, not Dr. Jones, Dr. Luke, incredibly intelligent, very smart, uh, does archaeological research, does all sorts of adventure. Um, he accompanied the apostle Paul through missionary journeys. If Paul was in trouble, Luke was in trouble. L- Luke was there with him in prison. When Paul says, no one else is here but Luke. Here's what one scholar says about uh, Luke. Uh, John A. Thompson said this, who, by the way, did not have a a, a strong belief in Christianity until he investigated more so the claims of Christ uh, in the New Testament uh, letters, and especially the Gospels. He says, Luke is a historian of the first rank. Anytime anybody starts uh, investigating Jesus Christ more, typically they become a strong proponent of Jesus. Because there is so much there. Luke is a historian of the first rank. Not merely are his statements of fact trustworthy, he is possessed of the true historical sense. He fixes his mind on the idea and plan that rules in the evolution of history and proportions the scale of his treatment of the importance of each incident. He seizes the important and the critical events and shows their true nature at greater length, while he touches lightly or omits entirely much of what was valueless for his purpose. In short, this author should be placed along with the very greatest historians. When you approach the Scriptures, what you need to understand is that you're approaching sacred Scripture, and it is absolutely historical. It is absolutely uh, verified with archaeology, so you read about real places and real times. Uh, it's verifiable. The Bible is not myth, legend, or folklore. The Bible is not some good moral guide that you just adapt. Uh, The Bible is history literature of God's redemptive plan. The Bible is something that I'd encourage you to explore more as you grow in your faith. The Bible is, although uh, the Huffington Post wrote this, the number of people in America who do not identify with any religion may be at an all-time high, but the Bible still holds an important place in the lives of many Americans. According to General Social Survey, the report says nearly 8 in 10 Americans regard the Bible as either literal, the Word of God, or inspired. There is 66 books in this Bible right here, there's 40 different authors, uh, human authors, one divine author bringing them all together, highlighting Jesus from the Old Testament to the New Testament over these authors wrote this book we call the Bible over a period of 1,600 years. Um, and its central unifying theme is Jesus. Uh, the prophets in the Old Testaments are predicting and foretelling about who Jesus is. In the New Testament, we see the fulfillment of those promises and those prophecies, and Luke's going to give account for all this so that you and I can be certain of our faith, and so that a gentleman by the name of Theophilus, a Roman official, can be certain as well. The Bible is incredibly important for us to realize there's over 2,600 different times in the Old Testament alone where the where the writers say, this is God's authoritative voice. This is inspired not by man, but by God. So the scripture is something that you and I, uh, we, we come under the authority of scripture. Uh, this is an ESV study Bible. If you don't have a good Bible, I'd encourage you to pick one up. There's a lot of good Bibles out there. ESV, English Standard Version, is the version that we go to a lot of times. Um, but I would encourage you if you're going to make an investment to really go deeper in your faith, get a good study Bible. Uh, that would be incredible for you uh, this Christmas, It'd be a great Christmas present, is the Bible. So let's get into the passage of Scripture. Uh, Luke 1, 1 through 4. Uh, Luke writes, uh, he's been attested to be the uh, author. Of Luke. It's been uh, accepted since early church tradition in historical senses. Uh, He writes this, and as much as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished, note that word, we'll come back to it, among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. What exactly does he mean by to comp- that the things that have been accomplished? I'd propose a couple of things. He's looking at the life of Jesus Christ. Luke's big deal is trying to highlight exactly what Jesus has accomplished. This isn't in your notes, but you might want to write this down. Luke wrote to share what Jesus accomplished. Number one, God's sovereign plan for salvation. Jesus, Luke recorded that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. That's why Jesus came. Because all the restlessness, all the people that have been searching for a savior for century after century, Luke's going to portray Jesus as the one who's coming to seek and to save the lost In a little bit, you're going to hear some testimonies of people in our church um, about how God came to them and brought them along in their faith. Jesus came, Luke's going to help us to understand that he came to seek and to save the lost. The Bible says that we're all separated from a relationship with God apart from the work of Jesus Christ. Luke's going to highlight God's sovereign plan for, for salvation, he's going to share. That Jesus would be delivered, mocked, and shamefully treated, spit upon. He would die on a cross. He would be flogged. He would be killed. But on the third day, he would rise again. Luke's going to portray Jesus in his humanity and in his divinity. Fully man, fully God. Jesus fulfilled everything that was written about him in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Luke records that in Luke 24. thing we learn is that God's saving plan is for all people that everyone who believes in the name of Jesus receives forgiveness of sins through his name. According to Acts 10.43, Luke records that, that anybody who places their faith in Jesus Christ and crosses that finish line finds forgiveness. When we take communion, we're remembering that we have forgiveness through Jesus' name. And we can be cleansed. We can be renewed through that. Jesus' saving plan was, Luke is going to highlight very uniquely, that it's for everyone. Jesus is for everyone. He rules the world with truth and grace. His saving plan was for every ethnic group, Jews, Gentiles, Samaritans, liars, lepers, prostitutes, prodigals, gluttons, drunks, rich, poor, outcast, socially powerless. Luke will highlight that. Politically powerful. Luke will highlight that that God's saving plan to forgive sin was and still is for all people. Luke will highlight for us as well that there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved other than in the name of Jesus. Luke's going to highlight that. Why the lengthy introduction? Because I want to set the framework and the groundwork as we get into this. Um, As we get into over the next uh, five uh, messages in the the church and as you will start unfolding in the daily devotionals to see Luke in uh, highlighting all the things that Jesus has accomplished. Uh, Just the other day, I was with my uh, son, Sam. We were out quail hunting in Congress, Arizona. Unfortunately, I didn't know it was dove season because there was thousands of dove and there were zero quail. And uh, little did I know it it was dove season as well. Uh, We get out there, and I told Sam, as as we're going along, I've been studying, uh, it was renewing my mind and my heart about the investigation of Jesus Christ as I've been studying Luke and preparing this. And I said to Sam, my son, who's 12 years old, I said, hey, Sam, I need you to know something. Dad is a real Christian, regardless of his career or profession. Like, I'm not a Christian because I'm a pastor, Sam. I'm a Christian because I'm thoroughly convinced Jesus is real. And you know what he said to me? He said, Dad, I just wish that Jesus would have showed himself in person. I wish he would show me himself in person. Then I would believe more. And I said, Sam, here's the good news. He did show himself in person. That is the reason for the season. Jesus came to us and demonstrated his divinity and his humanity. Luke is going after all the Sams in the world. I want to see, I want to know, I want to be sure about who this is. Luke is recording the historical side, so not Dr. Jones, but Dr. Luke, let me highlight his work for us as we get into the Gospel of Luke over the next five messages. Number one, we see that his work was demonstrated that he followed the eyewitness accounts and the events very closely. You ever seen CSI? CSI? It's a very popular show. There's always, you've always got to get eyewitness accounts as the details of what happened. It says that he followed the eyewitness accounts. It says just verse two, just as those who were from the beginning. Who, who's, who are those? St. Augustine would have said that the order of the gospels that were written were Matthew was first, the gospel of Mark second. Um, Matthew was a a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, meaning he's also an apostle. He followed. He was a witness. To be an apostle, you need to be an eyewitness of Jesus Christ resurrected. Mark was actually uh, a a disciple of Peter, the apostle. And these two men have written at this point in time the gospels, the storylines. And what's really crazy cool about the Bible and the New Testament Is you have a gospel of Matthew, a gospel of Mark, a gospel of Luke, and a gospel of John. And they all have this incredible uh, uh, tying together of giving the accounts and the details of Jesus Christ. That's what I was on my journey for when I was down at Dallas, is really trying to verify everything about Jesus. And here's what Luke does he says, just as those from the beginning were eyewitnesses uh, and ministers of the word, These are ministers very likely referring to Matthew, who was an apostle, uh, was a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, witnessed him, and then John as well. John is Jesus' beloved disciple and is called an apostle as well. He says, eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have declared to them, it seemed good to me also, verse 3, having followed. That means he followed all the details, all the accounts, very historical. Second observation I want to point out is he says he took all things into consideration concerning the life of Christ. Uh, It says in verse 3, it seemed good to me also having followed all things, not some things, all things. He took everything into consideration that he could. At this point in time, um, it would have been very likely uh, that Paul would have done some significant research by interviewing those that were... uh, followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, Luke likely visited Matthew, the apostle, in Jerusalem during Paul's two-year imprisonment, according to Acts 24-27. Uh, during that same period, he would have had the opportunity to interview Jesus' mother, Mary, and many others. Bible gives account that Jesus, uh, even after his resurrection, he appeared for a period of 40 days, demonstrating that he truly was the Son of God. He appeared to crowds up to 500 Luke would have had plenty of research interviews to make. Uh, When I was down at Dallas Seminary, I I created a podcast called churchpod.org. I was researching church planners from all across the country, and I would interview them. And then I would get other people uh, within their church or congregation to give testimonies of. And it took a lot of work. Luke is taking all things into consideration. He followed all things, it says, closely. Third observation I want to make is his research started from the beginning. It says in verse uh, 2 and 3, and I'll just highlight these phrases, just as from the beginning were eyewitnesses. And then in verse 3, it seemed good to me also having followed all things for some time past. What's really important about Luke is you unfold it and you start looking at it in Luke chapter 1, and then you look at all the way at the very end, at the end of the uh, gospel, you'll see that he is trying to tie together the Old Testament prophecies about Jesus Christ through the culmination of his life. So the beginning, not just at the birth of Jesus, that it all ties together from the Old Testament to the New Testament. He's showing that it's the fulfillment of time that God loves the world, that he promised to send a Messiah, and that person is Jesus. The fourth observation I want to make is that he wrote to give an orderly account about salvation history. It says in verse 3, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for sometimes past to write an orderly account. There's a general chronological study line of the life of Jesus Christ as you open up the gospel of Luke that you see from the beginning to the end. Uh, Luke is a uh, physician in his... uh, in his career path, has been very likely served again as a medical missionary with the uh, accompanying the Apostle Paul. And he gives details uh, that are really pertinent and helpful for us to see the life of Jesus Christ, especially having access to the gospel of Matthew and Mark. Third, uh, fifth observation I want to make is that his, his ministry vision was resourced by financial provision. Um, in the title, Most Excellent Theophilus. Uh, Theophilus was a Roman official uh, who would have been very uh, wealthy, and Luke ascribes this uh, account, this accomplishment of the gospel of Luke to this guy. He does it actually at the very beginning of Acts as well. Uh, Years ago, when I was uh, down in Little Rock, Arkansas, Fellowship Bible Church, a a scholar that was doing a lot of research came to our church and gave some presentations on a biblical account of manhood and womanhood, a very important topic. And I let, later did I find out, the gentleman's name was Dr. Wayne Grudem, later did I find out that our church gave him a significant uh, resource, financial provision, for him to do the necessary research, to take off the time to write. Theophilus is like that. My encouragement to you is, as you think through the, the impact that this church is making, Uh, through baptisms and people coming to faith in Christ. And in just a little bit, you're going to hear some stories about how God's working in the life of people in our church. Here's an important to note. Ministry vision is resourced by financial provision. Uh, What happens with Luke is that he is being able to give us one-fourth of the New Testament. And his vision is to give the details and the accounts of what Jesus has accomplished. And at North Valley, when you're contributing and helping out Uh, giving. And what you're doing is you're fueling a vision that God has for his church called North Valley. Sixth observation I want to make is that uh, Luke wrote to make certain the things that were taught about Jesus. Some of you need certainty, more certainty. There are days that I wake up and I don't don't feel like I have a lot of faith. But the Bible says all we need is the faith of a mustard seed and that God can move mountains through our lives. There are some days I wake up and I'm faithful, like I'm filled with courageous faith. Um, But nonetheless, what's incredibly important for every person is to do the search, do the adventure, exploring more thoroughly who Jesus is. Some of you, maybe as a Christian, maybe you like Theophilus, look what it says. He'd been taught some things, uh, but he's commissioned Luke to give a historical account and Luke now uh, ascribes this letter in honor to Theophilus. He says that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. I want to encourage you to realize this important truth as we approach the holiday season, Christmas, is that people are searching and it's our job and our responsibility to help people come home. Um, my encouragement to you is do the investigations more thoroughly so that your faith may be more certain and strong and realize that there's thousands and thousands, 87% of the Phoenix Valley uh, is a part of a church or has a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, does, does not, does not. And so the vast majority of the Phoenix Valley is, is without a church home and they're searching. And we have the opportunities we approach this Christmas season to help people get home and trust in that relationship with Jesus Christ. So here's what I want to do. I um, want to open up the time for sharing um, about what God's been doing in the lives of you guys. It's Thanksgiving season. We're approaching uh, Christmas season. And uh, I asked one of my friends to help kick us off this morning to share about what God's been doing. So we're going to have a few uh, ushers come forward and hold the mic. Uh, we've done this in times past, where anybody in the congregation and uh, uh, wants to share about what God's been doing in their life can share. I just encourage you to hold it to 30 to 60 seconds or so, so other people can share. And then what we'll do is, uh, if you'll come out onto your aisle, then we'll hand you the or we'll hold the mic and give it to you, so, or, so that you can talk uh, really clearly and we can hear. But share about what God's been doing in your life, and we can celebrate with that. So, Ryan, will you kick us off? Will you kick us off?
1: Good morning. Uh, Pastor Ryan asked me to uh, share my, my journey to uh, Christ and Christianity. I grew up in Northern California attending church a couple times a year. As soon as I graduated high school, I went off to college, started my professional career, and church and God was at the bottom of my priority list. Uh, my wife... Um, who I met here roughly uh, 14 years after uh, going off on our own, um, always talked about a future and if we were able to have kids that we want to raise them in a church uh, community and environment. That was kind of just lip service because when we had kids, uh, we still weren't attending church. We now have three kids under four and a half. Both my wife and I work 50 hours a week and the stress of being new parents working, um, was really taking our marriage this way. And, uh, in July of this year at two in the morning, I was awoken and God said, come and, come and visit me today at church. And it was Sunday morning and, uh, I picked up my phone and I Googled, you know, closest church. And thank God I, I found North Valley and, uh, I came by myself, and uh, I was so excited from the minute I stepped on campus. Everyone was so welcoming, and just the message that I received. I went home and told my wife, and I said, I would like you to join me uh, next Sunday, and she did, and uh, ever since, um, this is our home. It's been absolutely amazing with Pastor Ryan and Pastor Jonathan, the band, and worshiping through songs and our marriage is now coming back like this. Um, we're communicating better. We have patience. We're better with our three children. And um, we were lost until, until we had that message. And um, we're just so blessed and, and thankful for everyone here being so welcoming, the church and, and everything. It's made a huge impact in our lives. And so we're truly, truly thankful and blessed.
2: I heard so, yeah, just raise your hand. Thank you, Ryan, for sharing. Just raise your hand and uh, our team will come around and let you hold the mic or let you share. Thanks,
3: Ryan. Um, Good morning. Um, My name is Jacqueline, and my husband and I moved here about three years ago. We were living in Las Vegas, Nevada. And we were going through some tough times during that time, and um, I got into prayer, and I was journaling at the time, and I was asking God where, you know, we needed to be. And he said, "Uh, Phoenix, we have children that live here, but we weren't trying to come to Phoenix. So I didn't listen, and I kept trying to live and uh, let things work themselves out, or we were trying to make stuff happen. I got into prayer again, I got confirmation, and then I told my husband, I said, we need to move to Phoenix, because that's what God's telling us to do. And my husband was a little reluctant, but what I did is I went ahead, I got a truck, I got rid of um, half our things, and I've never driven a big truck before, but we had a 17-foot truck, had half our belongings in it, we went online, found a place, which is right down the street, and we moved here. We've been here since. We were going to a couple of different churches in the area. Um, My husband saw uh, that this was at uh, Notoria at the theater, so we went a couple of times. Then we stopped going went to a couple of other churches, um, but we kept hearing hope. We actually attended a church called Hope in uh, Vegas. So we came um, once the building got here, and we have been coming since. But what I really want to say is that God is truly amazing. Earlier this year, I was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer. And before I got the diagnosis, I, we didn't have insurance, and I had just started working at Walmart. So I got up one morning, I heard the Holy Spirit tell me to look for insurance. Well, like I said, we didn't have the insurance, and I was thinking, okay, I don't know how we're going to afford that, because I was just t- sort of working for our daughter. And then I looked, found something, went to work. And they called me in the office. They offered me full-time and said insurance that starts right away. So I got the insurance, got my physical, everything was good, went to have my um, mammogram done, and then they told me that they found something and they wanted to do a biopsy. I asked when. They said, come back at one. I did. And they said, we're um, 98% sure that it's cancer. So I wasn't... um, I wasn't surprised, I just got to tell you, because I just feel like God was preparing me then. Um, So I just said, okay. He said, you have to have surgery. I had surgery. They got all the cancer. God is good. Um, I finished my radiation, and I am just truly, truly thankful that I was obedient, and I listened when he said, move, and I listened when he said, look for the insurance. But we now call this our home, because when we come, we honestly feel like we're being fed spiritually, and I don't know, I just feel like now um, we truly do have a new, new outlook on life, and he's just turning things around. It's slow, but it's happening. So I just give God all the honor, glory, and praise.
2: Amen. Amen. Somebody else. Thank you, Jacqueline. Just raise your hand. We'll take we'll take we got some more time. What's God been doing in your life? What are you thankful for?
1: All right. Okay. I really don't like speaking in front of people, but we had our youth event last night, and we had nine kids show up. So I'm very thankful for that. And I think everybody had a fun time. Woo! <laughs> so, yeah, it was good. We still need um, more women because we are very heavy on the girls' side. So if there's any women volunteers that would like to work with youth, we'd love to have you.
2: All right. She used it for an announcement opportunity. That's uh, awesome. Matt and Carrie Ann served as our youth leaders, and absolutely, you know, it was really cool in the first service, uh, one of our kids' leaders stood up and just shared how much they love the kids. So, I mean, the cool thing about North Valley is it is like a big family. And uh, Matt and Carrie Ann, you're doing an incredible job helping out with you. Thank you. Somebody else want to share about what God's been doing in your life? in your neighborhood group, or maybe a neighborhood. There we go. Here we go. Do- Dr. Finch. All right. There's, there's a long version. I'll
4: do the short version. Uh, we lived in Michigan, and uh, we're looking for work all around the country. And God sent us here to Phoenix. And I'm in the education world, and I, I, I wanted to um, have a church that was inside my district. Well, I looked in, there was 160 churches that are just on my church list. So I went through all of them, went through the theologies, narrowed them down. I uh, went to, well, my wife wasn't here yet, she was in Montana, so I was going to two church, church services a week and enjoyed it. It was great. And we got, I went through the list, and there were some great churches I went to. Uh, we were getting down to the bottom of the list, and I said um, to my wife, Angie, we need to go back to one that I had been to at the very, one of my first churches that I had chosen, which was this spot. And so um, Angie went, uh, we went to the first service at another place, came here, second service. Halfway through the service, Angie leans over and says, I think we're home. And so um, God brought us here and uh, put us to work. We were kindergarten first and second today, helping out the nursery. But we're blessed to be a part of the family.
1: Amen.
2: That's awesome. Somebody else. Right here. Oh, we got two. Okay. We'll do two.
5: Well, I'm just thankful. Last Sunday, right before Thanksgiving, my husband owns an automotive business. And instead of doing a big Thanksgiving for us, we decided to help the community and feed some families. Well, we scraped enough money together to feed two families with a full Thanksgiving. So we left here, and we went to lunch, and we were making our list and checking it twice. And somebody bought our lunch, and so we were able to take that money that we would have spent on lunch and feed three families. Mm -hmm. So I'm just thankful for God for allowing that to happen because we got to bless three people in our town with a full Thanksgiving. Amen.
2: One more. All right.
0: My wife's nervous. I'm Justin, and uh, it's my wife, Ladonna, and my son, Alex. Uh, man, I could I could go way back, but what I'm just gonna say is, uh, well, right before my wife and I got married, we were talking about buying a home and and where we were gonna buy a home, and and uh, you know, she was going, I-, "I don't think we can buy a home right now." I'm like, "Just look." if you know if god if god wants us in a home he'll provide you know and and uh and so we started to look and and it became a lot of stress and and she decided not to uh look anymore for a little bit but i guess she was still kind of looking on the side and uh she found a house that was identical to the home that we were renting in another area up here and uh she says i think we should go look and uh and so we went and and immediately were we well we wanted to go up to the area and see if we liked the area so we went to this coffee shop called Elevate and uh we're sitting in this coffee shop and um looking over at this this uh Harkins and and there was this church that kept setting up over there and we're like and i i we were going to Central at the time and we're bouncing between Central and CCV cuz i was from Central and she was from CCV and uh And so we we checked it out, you know, a few weeks later, we checked it out um, after God magically getting us available to buy a house. I'm fast forwarding. Uh, So that happened. Uh, We did get married. um, So that happened. Uh, We decided to try the church and we came and we're like, "Uh, the message was really good, but we're not sure.
2: (laughs) I'm not sure about which part.
0: She, yeah, well, she knew she knew that the message. She was like, "That just felt like it it reached me," and and uh, and we we went back and tried our churches again, and um, we came back another time, and then you know we were kind of on the fence. And I came home one day after after some prayer and meditation, and, and and I said, "Honey, we're going to start going to North Valley," and uh, she doesn't normally let me make those kind of decisions right away Uh, but she immediately goes yeah you know what i was just this morning i i got this thought that i was going to let you choose and uh so we ended up here now fast forwarding a a lot's happened since then and we're in a wonderful neighborhood group and without that we wouldn't be where we're at today um i got counseling through the church um after my oldest son had passed away Mm. and um I can tell you that because of those things, because of the counseling, because of the neighborhood group, because of the church surrounding me, um, I was able to go to my son's service and stand up there with complete forgiveness and and reach out to the people that were in that crowd and say, you know, it's not your fault. There was nothing you could do. And uh, And through that, people came up to me afterwards. And, and um, his girlfriend that he was with at the time, Um, got saved, you know, and, and so you never know what's going to happen, but I can tell you that my faith, it never varied, and I knew that God was going to be faithful, I knew that it was going to be okay, I knew that we would get through, and I knew the only way out was through, because I know he's always there, I know he's always got me, I never, never am going to fall without him, Um, and he'll always pick me back up, and you know, my faith just continues to grow here, and we have all kinds of opportunities, and the list is really long. But I can tell you that I have a life of abundance, and um, and I have all that because I did everything I could possibly do to not earn it. You know, and, and I didn't get that before. I did everything I could possibly do to not earn it, and for some reason, he gave me more than I could ever deserve. You know, and it, this place is amazing, but... The biggest thing is my faith in God, no matter where that is, no, no matter where I'm at, um, that part has just carried me through the roughest and toughest times of my life. And I didn't, I didn't grow up with this, you know. So I didn't, I didn't become saved until I was in my 30s. And, um, man, I would never trade this for the world, you know. It's amazing. So. Amen. All right,
2: we'll do one more going to have to cut the worship a little short we got one more right over here here we
3: go Uh, I'm Connie this is my husband Don Um, we have been to several churches in the area since we moved out here about nine years ago Um, and my heart from early on has always been for foster care and adoption and this is the only church that I've ever been to that has that heart and you've got mine. And I just praise the Lord. Amen.
2: Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a good, good Father. Thank you for the, your work in the lives of this church family. Uh, we look to you as the reason of the season this Christmas. Uh, may you grow us in our confidence and our certainty of our faith as we dive into the scriptures through the upcoming weeks and prepare room for you. Uh, Thank you for the stories being told. God, you are at work. And uh, we love you and give you thanks for all that you've done in Christ's name. Amen.
1: Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.